And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Dainer and Jay. It's Dainer and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Eder Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here on the Friday night walkout edition of Draft Weekend. Hump day as Draft Weekend goes. We are almost there. One more day left to go, Jay. We're actually, it's already Saturday morning as we record this. 12.22 a.m. we're recording. We're earlier than we were last night. We are. So, so we're ahead of it. We're, you know, and, and we're, we're almost there. The, de- the defense is done. Almost. Defense is done. The Bengals gave us a present by trading up and one, one less pick to talk about tomorrow. Maybe they trade back and add a pick. I don't see that happening. But uh, surprising. And, well, okay, not surprising because we kind of expected this to be heavy defense early. But still, you're talking 1998, the last time they went defense, defense, defense. Um, and it's this isn't this isn't building for the future. These are guys that they are going to expect to come in and play right away. And, and you're going to have this you're going to have this group of baby Bengals on defense, and then you've got a bunch of established veterans. And it's <laughs> it's kind of that you see the succession part of it working. And it's it's not like the old days of, of the early part of the 2010 decades where they would they would draft and kind of redshirt these guys for a year. These guys are going to play. Um, Zach Carter, third-round pick today. Cam Taylor-Britt, second-round pick, cornerback. And then Dax Hill from last night. They're, the way it looks right now, they're all going to get – significant snaps as part of a, a rotation where you, Lou Anarum was just going to be able to, like a chessboard, just move these guys around. Versatility and youth is going to be a key part of this defense this year. These were the the three positions that you kind of pinpointed, right? I mean, now Dax is a little bit more of his positionless nature, but secondary, outside corner competition, Cam Taylor-Britt comes in. He's going to compete directly with Eli Apple for that starting position. He may be the starter on opening day. He may be the starter in week seven. Eli Apple may hold him off all year, but he's an outside corner for you that, it, that was just sitting there wide open, that spot. And then and Zach Carter is the spot, essentially the one vacated uh, by Larry Ogunjobi with a little bit more of a sort of a hybrid nature to who he is, who he played outside at about half the snaps at Florida, played half inside. They view him and he views himself better as a three technique. And so he that's that kind of Ogunjobi role, but he can move in and out of that depending on what they're doing uh, formationally to stay multiple versatility, defense, Character stuff, the culture, 
again, it was check, check, check. It was Hill, Taylor Britt, Zach Carter. You get a lot of all of the same type of stuff they were clearly pinpointing over the course of the weekend. Let's kind of talk through um, all of this now as as we look at it. Um, Dax Hill came into town today. We were able to uh, meet with him, talk with him a little bit. Every bit the impressive guy you heard he was, thought he would be. Poor dude. He <laughs> he had to go. He flew to Vegas for an NFLPA rookie event for a couple of days. Had to basically fly first thing just to get back to do his draft party in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, where he's from. And then, of course, gets drafted. That thing goes till the middle of the night uh, because he's got all his, his friends there and they all want to talk and this, that, and the other. He has to get up for a 6 a.m. flight to come to Cincinnati to do his whole thing here. He ends up in a car wash doing press conferences, uh, interviewing every TV station, us, talking to everybody. I mean, the poor dude had just been through it, but he was, you know, as – as lively as could be, interesting, charismatic, um, all that stuff that, that you heard and thought about him um, really came to fruition. And, and the positionless nature of him, I, I think, is just something that's so intriguing to them. They just loved it. I, I talked to Robert Livingston a little bit, um, you know, the secondary coach. And, uh, and he just said, you know, I mean – you just you look at a guy like this and you you love the way he's going to play for you and you can use him anywhere and you just love everything about him and uh can outside corner happen it's it's arguably the hardest position to play in football uh robert sort of said uh but he's never really done it but he he checks every box physically to do it i felt bad you know we kind of talking through it last night on first blush it was like yeah they're not going to try that i I think they're going to get him in here and see what it looks like. Look, you do one-on-ones enough. You can see if he can learn it. I don't know if he's going to pick it up eventually, but down the line, maybe he is. Maybe he could be an outside guy if that's where it needed to be. But they won't need that immediately because of who was their second-round pick today. Right. That's exactly where – I mean, that's what the whole draft is about is projection. And you just because – Dax Hill hasn't played outside corner doesn't mean he can't. They, they, they like what they see in him. But adding Cam Taylor Britt in the second round really makes it less likely. And as you said, yes, he could develop into that. But they, he said it. The team said it. They like the idea of him being a hybrid positionless guy and using him all over the place. So if that's, if that's what he wants to do, if that's what he does best, if that's what the team wants – that just makes sense that he's going to slot in that way. And then Cam Taylor Britt, I mean, I don't – impressive, yes. Uh, I, I, there's there's probably other adjectives that would de- describe our first interactions with him. Um, energetic, excited. Um, he might be running down a road right now trying to get to Cincinnati. I mean, he just <laughs> seemed ready to go. And it was it was a really, really fun – uh, opening conference call with that kid, and it, it this I, I do I think that's it, it's one thing to have a, a veteran established defense, but there's something to having all this youth um, that is really going to make this a 
a, a fun defense to watch this year. They they were opportunistic last year. They they were good against the run. They struggled against the pass. A lot of teams struggle against the pass. That's the way that the, the league is going with offense. It, that that has clearly been their mission is to defend on the back end with their first two two picks and then you you get Zach Carter to uh, to help you affect the the passer up the middle that's 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 where the league's going they're they're set at wide receiver everybody else is trying to grab all the right wide receivers they can get the Bengals are set there and they're loading up on defense to stop everybody else's offense and they traded up to get him and we you know, we yeah. you, we thought um we we had him as number one projected player on the board. We had, we've mocked to him over and over again. I mean, for weeks, we've kind of pinpointed this really, especially once he came into town and he's talked about the visit coming in here. Um, and you know, he pointed out, did you, did you know that your new coach, uh, is in the Nebraska Hall of Fame? And he'd be like, he'd be like, you know, I, you know, I do. He would, he made sure that I did. <laughs> uh, and you know, he's just kind of, there's, there's a connection there, uh, with that, but they, he said he left there and he didn't want to tell anybody, but he said, you know, it's crazy. I felt like that was it right then. I felt like this was the place I was going to be. I think the Bengals felt that way too. And that's part of the reason that we mocked him because you look at his profile. I I joke, uh, the, the Trez Paler used to have the all juice team and it was all guys that bring the juice. They bring the energy. They bring it every day. They bring it on the field, play through pain, whatever. It's really kind of a blueprint for how the Bengals value players and have spoken about they value what the culture is here. And I'm not going to lie. like I went through the all-juice team the moment it came out. I was so excited to see what they're doing with it now in his honor. Um, and – there he was, and there was a bunch of other guys. I think you might that you could see come off to, to the Bengals because that's what they want. That is the sign. This is Exhibit One A, and it hit position need. It hit culture need. It hit energy. It hit everything you want, and it hit apparently things that Lou Anaruma. We knew this, but he doubled down to us. Does he? He's adamant about, and that is, I need long and fast, and that's what Dax Hill is. Long arms. Cam Taylor Britt is long arms, and so long, fast, energetic, versatile. Cam with safety play in his background, kind of can do zone, can do press man. Dax Hill, tons of versatility. Carter, play the five, play the three technique. Again, check, check. Check everything we were talking about. What these days were going to be about was about that type of stuff. Cam Taylor Britt, the perfect example of it, and that's why they do not mess around. They ditch a t- number two hundred nine, a six round pick to come up three spots to assure that they would get the guy that they wanted. They knew he was the perfect fit for them if they didn't take the corner in the first round, the direct outside yeah. corner in the first round, which they didn't. I mean, the next corner didn't go off the board till 68, so you figure they would have been okay staying at 63. But nobody's saying woulda, coulda, shoulda. That, that is a small price to pay a, a sixth-round pick uh, from a team that is, I mean, it was a Super Bowl roster last year. They're, they don't have a lot of holes to fill. If that's the guy you really want, I can only imagine. I mean, I wonder what time or at what point the, the conversation started and when they started getting antsy because you knew he had to be 
right there, and, and you're, it's always a guessing game which team's going to target cornerback, and I'm sure they were holding their breath with every pick, and it just got to the point where at, at, at 60, they found a trade partner in the Bills, and they're like, let's do it. They, they, fifth time in six years, they've traded in the second round. All the others were trade backs. This was a trade up. Their, their trade ups have not worked well in recent years. It, it, it feels like this is going to be one that's going to break that streak. Yeah, it certainly fits their culture. We know that much. They they will check. We don't know if he's going to turn into a great corner or a good corner or anything. That's hard to tell. You know, you've got some stuff that you got to work on there. There's a reason that he's still available at the end of the second round, inconsistencies and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think they feel like that's stuff that they can teach and stuff that they can work with. And clearly they loved the idea of him being the guy in this spot. There was just, there's a lot in this draft, uh, especially in that round of teams jumping up a couple of spots and taking people in front of other guys. And there was just a lot of that, not even huge moves, just little moves, pinpointing, you know, feeling like they had a good idea of who teams needed to get and they didn't want that to happen to them. So we can yeah. say, yeah, another corner didn't come off until whenever, but that doesn't mean another team wouldn't have jumped right in front of them at 62 right. and said, I'm coming in because I, I feel like this is going to be a spot where the Bengals are going to want to go corner. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Then they go in the third round and come down to the defensive lines. But like we said, today was going to... Your best shot with a most likely scenario was going to be some combination of cornerback and an interior defensive line player. That's exactly how it ended up playing out. Uh, Zach Carter from Florida is the thing, and we have a reach. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, Dane Brugler had him as a sixth round pick. Um, PFF had him a uh, fifth round projection. Um, that doesn't mean he is a reach or will play like one or will be bad. Uh, it's just a matter of 
that's what the board has said. The same way, you know, we're all everybody's going to sit here and go nuts because, you know, you had guys that were rated higher with Dax Hill, obviously, and things like that. Where you got to point out when it's the opposite, uh, specifically when it's so drastic. I mean, it's it's one thing at this point in a draft to have somebody that. You know, Dane has a different by one round. You're, you're talking three rounds and the number of players that were available that were rated higher is significant. The interesting name was Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma, who, mm-hmm. you know, was uh, considered a top 50. I think he's 53 actually from Dane still on the board felt like it was a perfect slide to them. And you never know exactly why they're sliding, but, um, a lot of other guys in there, three techniques were there. They go with Carter, who has 17 and a half sacks um, at Florida and has the versatility. It just when you look at it on the surface, it certainly to me, Jay, feels like I want a guy who is a three technique, who can slide out and play five technique, who's this tweener size that can do both and check the versatility box and have production. And 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 that was that Carter, and they were not going to wait for that and decided to, they wanted to check that box today and get it over with. No sense in waiting. And that made it a reach. That doesn't mean it won't be worth it in the end. Right. And it, it may not be a reach in the sense that if they go with a strict three technique, can they afford – to come back tomorrow and, and get a versatile guy because you're going to have to start getting offensive guys at some point. And would that be too much to double up there? The other thing is, you know, he's where, where Dane had him, where everybody had him. It's, it's based on traits. It's that whole argument of production versus traits. If you take everything else out and you say, this guy played in the SEC and he had 17 and a half sacks and 28 and a half tackles for a loss. You, I mean, you, you have to feel pretty good about that. That, that doesn't sound like a six round pick. And they, they do. They, they were, they were so desperate for, for a, 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 a three technique that could play with or behind BJ Hill. And he gives you that kind of like Cam sample where he can go back outside. It just, it, it does feel like a reach, but it, it, it doesn't feel like they could have afforded to say, hey, let's wait and get him tomorrow. Because, you know, the, if you're going to do that, then you're, you're going offense here. And they just, as we talked about last night, it just felt like this was the, the path they had to go. They had to go safety corner, defensive line. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how he plays out. He, he was a little different than, than Cam Taylor Britt. His, he, he had a, a much more reserved demeanor to him, which is in stark contrast to w- w- what you listen to them say about him on the field is that he's got that nonstop motor, that, that he is relentless. And, and he said he thought that was the, the, the strength of his game. So we'll see. Well, you know, it, it's so easy to do the knee jerk reaction right now. You do the exercise where you don't judge the class until three years down the road. Let's wait till he gets in here, see what he looks like. If, if he's got that kind of motor and he's got that kind of production and they're only going to be asking him to do limited snaps, then maybe you do get quite a bit of value of, of production per snap from him. Uh, and he's not counted on heavily as a rookie. 
We'll see how that plays out. The one thing, you know, we talk about how, man, the Bengals stink at drafting linemen, right? <laughs> well, that's offensive linemen. Yeah. They're damn good at drafting defensive linemen in the mid-rounds. In fact, it's all they do, as we know, because they haven't drafted a defensive lineman in the first round since Justice Smith 2001, which we're going to continue to say every single year when we do draft coverage. Uh, but <laughs> here's a list of third and fourth round defensive linemen that they've drafted in recent years. And you tell me if you think they deserve the benefit of the, bout, the doubt. Joseph Osai, we'll see. Cam Sample showed some nice signs. Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, Jordan Willis, who isn't here but is still played and yeah. is still in the league, still still doing stuff. Andrew Billings, who had some nice years, certainly. Uh, Ryan Glasgow was an injury situation. Ronell Wren was an injury situation. You know, that's a decent track record there mm-hmm. of guys that have been pretty good and played pretty well, and they've done a good job of evaluating talent on the defensive line in the middle rounds. For that fact, I give them the benefit of the doubt in the way they've drafted in recent years. Generally, mm-hmm. I give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, even though maybe some of the uh, projections say it was a reach. Maybe it was. If he goes out and plays well, nobody gives a damn, right. and, and and that's all that matters. Um, let's talk about – one other piece of news today before we go big board that was the Bengals did um, uh, take the fifth-year option on Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams' fifth-year option. We said it was probably one of the toughest of all the fifth-year option decisions because, you know, is he playing like a high-end left tackle? No. $12.6 million fully guaranteed is a big number for anybody, and especially somebody who you're – yeah, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. But it sounded, you know, I. why would you wait to this point? A lot of these decisions, I think everyone just kind of was waiting for the first round to go by just to see however anything was going to be affected. Why make a decision before you have to is kind of a line we hear all the time around here. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't – there's there's a lot of speculation on on – you know, were they looking for a lineman? No, they weren't looking for a tackle. It wasn't about maybe they'll get a tackle. I, there's a lot of different financial stuff that happens when you talk about, okay, um, you're going to take this position. Okay, well, how, how does that affect – how does taking Dax Hill affect Jesse Bates? Well, we talked last night about how it affects taking Jesse Bates. And if you now know that you're almost certainly not going to be extending Jesse Bates, guess what you have? a little bit more money that you can then essentially redirect Mm -hmm. to Jonah Williams. I don't know specifically if that's the reason this happened. I'm not reporting that. I'm not saying that, but I I have eyes and ears and know how to work over the cap and, and can understand that, you know, you could see how that would make that decision easier. And, Really, just a big vote of confidence for a player who they do believe is an ascending player, who they do believe is going to take a step. And if he does, that 12.6 is a bargain number. Yeah, I mean, it's guaranteed. But I think that's a great point because they, they go into this draft and they, they've obviously got Dax Hill in their sights. Well, he, he's 20. He's, he's, he's the number 20 prospect. There's no guarantee you're going to get him at 31. What if Brisker's gone? What if Petrie's gone? And you're stuck and you don't have a safety, and then you start thinking, well, then maybe Jesse is in play to bring back. That, that just, you're right. Nobody has told us that, but that just makes perfect sense that that's the reason they wait to make the decision until after they've got the, the Jesse Bates replacement in place. And again, not saying it's not going to happen, but it's it with every passing moment, every 
thing we see. It just it looks like this is it. This is the final year for Jesse and not the final year for Jonah Williams because he's around for two more now. That's correct. And I think Jonah Williams is going to get another person in his room uh, tomorrow. Let's yeah. talk about the big board for Saturday as we wrap this thing up. Finally, we, we, we were laughing because we're down in the cafeteria here. We were able to, to eat and the coaches and staff are all down. They open it up to so much media down here over the course of three days. It's the three days that we're allowed to kind of eat with everybody. And we were laughing because one, uh, one coordinator was in a very nice suit and, uh, had a very nice shirt on underneath it. And the other one was in a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> and so if that told you anything about who was expecting to be sitting in front of the media tonight, uh, that tells you, uh, Brian Callahan was not, I think Brian Callahan might show up in some nicer clothes tomorrow. Yes. And I, I expect to see him and his position coaches multiple times down here talking to us because it should be an offensive day. We had the first two days focusing on defense offense are really the boxes that are out there interior offensive line wide receiver with returnability tight end are the positions that we've kind of pinpointed from the beginning as being okay now it opens up maybe you would start as early as that third round pick they didn't go there with that so now it feels like saturday is just going to be the offensive bonanza they don't have the sixth round pick but they do have two sevenths so they've got four picks um you can say one out of each of those three, maybe a double up, maybe a maybe punk god, maybe whatever <laughs> the hell. Big question mark on the last one. A few names to keep an eye on. You know, a, a lot of the receivers with returnability that we pinpointed in this process yeah. are still on the board. Uh, Vilas Jones from Tennessee is gone, uh, but. Uh, Calvin Austin from Memphis, Khalil Shakir, who you had as a third round mock, who was kind of like up in that third, fourth range, um, from Boise, uh, also there. Bo Melton from Rutgers, uh, also still there. Those are all names I think that you want to have big check marks by tomorrow that you could see them going for. Also, some of the tight ends that we sort of pinpointed that more along the lines of the receiving tight end uh, that you could start to see being involved, really athletic traitsy. At this point, you're looking traitsy developmental receiving tight end is, I think, what we're pinpointing on them. Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Daniel Bellinger, a real athletic traitsy guy from San Diego State. A couple of names that are also still there. Yeah, I mean... It, it, this couldn't have played out really any better because that's these are the guys. This is as good as they are at getting these defensive linemen in, in the early to mid rounds. You, you go back when we've talked about it so much that 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 2013 draft when they got Mo Sanu and Marvin Jones. You, you don't have that urgent need at receiver, but you do need another guy, and you do need a punt returner with the, who, who's explosive. I mean, if you had to rank these, where, where do you think would be the most likely fourth round pick? Do they go interior line? Do they go tight end? Do they go wide receiver? Yeah, to me, interior offensive line is the next off the board. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it goes interior offensive line, tight end, receiver. Maybe. Well, you get into the seventh round. I don't know what you're getting at tight end receiver. I mean, that's just the thing of. You're, this is why I said when we would do the exercises that we get into this spot right here and I have two spots for three positions. Yeah. And, and it always felt like the trade back would make sense for this spot right here where if you had the extra four, you could get a guard to compete with Jackson Carmen and a really nice 
tight end or a really nice receiver that you really like. Yeah. And and check, check, check even more so. But it didn't go that way. You got Dax Hill, and that's great. And so I think there's going to be decisions to made there be made there. Um I think it's going to be a matter of which of those is the best player that's available for them between the receiver and the tight end in the fifth. Because look, they want competition for Jackson Garmin at Carmen at guard, and they need it. Yeah, like they they need a player that can really come in and play. And there's there's guys on the board uh, that can do that, that can bring you that. I mean, just a few names. Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma, Jamari Salyer from Georgia. I mean, these are both guards that you know, we've had uh, that you could have seen them doing in the third round. Maybe or you should have uh, gone in on that. Um, Darian Kennard from Kentucky. Yeah, Donovan West, the center from Arizona State, comes with really high intangible marks. He's younger, um, played well out there. Zach Tom, everyone's favorite, favorite, everyone's favorite, a relative athletic score star from Wake Forest. I mean, there, there's a number of names on this list that if they came in, you would absolutely see them competing with Jackson Carmen week one and potentially feeling very good about it. It's a matter of how many of them um, are still there, uh, uh, you know, and how many are, are gone, but so, somebody's going to be there. And to me, that's where you start. And then after that, it's a matter of that receiver or tight end, or maybe, maybe they've got their eyes on somebody they think will be there in the seventh, you know, last mm-hmm. year, they had their eyes on Chris Evans the whole time yeah. as a man, we can get him out and, and have him be a receiver and this, that, and the other, and he'll be there late. And they, they really almost pinpointed that. Maybe they have somebody in the same mold, whether it's tight end or you're talking about a receiver in this draft feeling that they can go to. But I think you'll see those as the big three spots that they start to try to, to, to go after first tomorrow with interior offensive line being the most notable. And the thing you you need to be able to pivot to you go in with your plan, but this is this could be a classic case of letting the board come to you because who knows maybe a bunch of those interior guys go off before they they make the the thirty first pick in the fourth round and then you do pivot a little bit go wide receiver go tight end it's just it, it's so unpredictable um, I don't think they're going to pigeonhole themselves I do agree with you that if 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 you're just looking at it the way it, if if a couple go off at each position that that interior offensive line makes the most sense because you, you have the fourth receiver in Mike Thomas. You, yes, you need the punt return dynamic, but um, you have Hayden Hurst. It, it just feels like that is the bigger need. Jackson Carmen is this huge question mark still. Love his talent. There's a question about maturity. Number one, the guy may not beat him out, but just putting Jackson Carmen through that kind of training camp where he has to fight for a job could have benefits. Just having that other person to push him or maybe the guy comes in and beats him out and he starts the whole season for you. But it, it is a case of wait and see how the first 30 picks go tomorrow. No doubt. Uh, and we'll be here for you with all of them and we'll have the wrap up for you, uh, tomorrow night. And again, Monday, we'll have a live room at noon and then Tuesday night, uh, seven o'clock at 50 West Brewing Company. Come on down, have some drinks and we'll have director of college scouting Mike Potts joining us down there to talk through. 
the Bengals path to the draft hall and uh and how they ended up here really looking forward to that down at 50 west and hopefully we'll see you down there and the beers will be delicious as we get into the uh the uh, off-season portion of the program uh all right that will wrap it up for us down here from paul brown stadium we will talk to you tomorrow night have a good one everybody